What's up, everybody, and welcome to Over the Top. We're back with another episode covering match weeks 22 and 23. And since you last heard from us, Man City is rising, Liverpool are flopping, and Spurs are, yeah, you guessed it, Spursing it up like always. You can get in touch with us on Instagram and Twitter at Over the Top EPL. I'm Kyle, and I've got my man Justin here. What's happening? What's happening, Kyle? It's, uh, Premier League doesn't fail to disappoint, does it? I mean, we've had from crazy score lines, which are unpredictable, to predictably Spurs being shit, all the different spectrums of predictability over the last two weeks on match week 22 and 23, Kyle. I'm just preparing myself to like clench my ass a little bit and get ready for Tottenham to just get shat on this entire episode, which probably kind of unfair but recording this right after the five to four fa cup loss to everton which is crazy game for the neutral uh man so anyway that's what's top of mind for me but uh there are some other crazy score lines that we'll talk about in just a second like a nine nil a nine nil it's brutal i mean what are up with all these baseball scores lately kyle i mean i mean mostly thanks to leads probably in the premier league but this had nothing to do with them you can think uh oh who refed that game kyle um you had a good tweet about it, about him slashing the red cards. I'm just um, going to assume it was Mike Dean, because any any referee doing crazy <laughs> shit, I assume it's Mike Dean. I mean, how about him taking... I forget. <laughs> there were so many games, I forget what game it was, but how about him taking a look at the VAR monitor for like five minutes against some game just mm-hmm. to like not That's turn over a call? It's outrageous. brutal. Yeah. So we're going to structure this podcast like we did the last one if you tuned in. So Kyle's going to go over match week 22, go give his thoughts. I might chime in on one or two, but give his thoughts and scores on all the different games. I'll go into match week 23. We'll go through all of those games. Kyle will chime in on those as well. And then uh, we'll get into a couple segments. So match week 22, Kyle, what transpired in this Premier League? Yes, that's right. That's right. But but before I talk about Match Week 22, well, we are going to be talking about Champions League. Back, baby. Back. Um, right. We're also going to be yes. talking about some some of the best players that have been playing this season and who should be in the MVP discussion. Uh, a few shoe-ins and a few maybes that we need to talk about. But yes, Match Week 22. It's, it's crazy how long ago this feels, even though it was really just... Um, like six or seven days ago at this point, but uh, just get just get us started on this. Uh, Sheffield United got another win this season against the absolute toilet bowl of a game against West Bromwich Albion. Uh, Sheffield won two to one, um, but really all I have to say about this is uh, you can kiss both of these teams goodbye because they are just I just don't see a way out of it. Especially West Brom. Sheffield been awful this season though. It's a huge hole to get out of. Uh, Wolves beat Arsenal two to one. The scoreline doesn't tell the whole story in this game. Um, Arsenal had two red cards, one which is really harsh on David Luiz, but there was a hilarious, hilarious Burnt Leno red card. I couldn't figure it out. Uh, Jao Moutinho also had a banger in this game to give Wolves their second goal. Uh, Crystal Palace actually outscored a team on XG. Can you believe that? I never thought I'd ever see that they beat so Newcastle. So this that that is that is not true. They won this game, but they were outscored twice, two times by XG. Well, so well, thanks for the correction and realization that that's Palace. And I think game, I think honestly. when you were saying it, you should have realized that Palace can't actually outscore a team in XG. But it's continue. not even 
it's not even possible. Let's just be honest. But anyway, they did beat Newcastle two to one. Uh, <laughs> you were talking about baseball scores earlier uh, on the pod. Manchester United nine goals, tying the biggest win ever in the Premier League against who? Hassan Futel's oh. men, Kyle. Do they are, do they have some experience losing nine nil, Kyle? I'm just asking, uh, just asking for the casual fan out there. Yeah, something tells me that last season there was a nine nil shellacking against Leicester City that also involved an early red card. But this one actually outdid. I, I think when they lost to Leicester, there was a red card in the, like the twentieth minute or something. But mm-hmm. there was a guy. I, I don't actually know his first name because it was his Premier League debut. Jankowitz. 72 seconds into his career with a crazy as hell red card with a you know he basically got his studs on so high on someone's thigh um and yikes yeah talk about the worst possible start to your career uh southampton as you say are on a major major schneid if you look at their uh form table it's l l l l l i mean we're going to get into it more in the next match week as well but uh moving on manchester city they're cruising, two 0 over Burnley. Um, Justin was telling me that it looked like varsity versus a C team, and that couldn't be more true. That I might be that, a little generous too, Kyle. I don't think that two 0 scoreline to Burnley. Re- <laughs> 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 that two 0 scoreline doesn't reflect that well. Uh, Leicester City, you know, they blow kind of hot and cold, even though they're way up there at the top of the table. Uh, they did beat Fulham two 0 No surprise there. Um, I love the way that you put this in the notes. Fulham looked better than the aforementioned, aforementioned shitbag teams, but no wins soon, then bye-bye. <laughs> exactly. I rest my case. Uh, Leeds won, Everton 2. Uh, this was, you know, Leeds are going to... I just was talking about a team that blows hot and cold. No one does it more than Leeds. Uh, sometimes they show up and bang in four goals. Other times they just look totally off it. And this is coming up against an Everton team who are really inconsistent, but have been solid but unspectacular under Ancelotti so far this season. Um, Aston Villa laid a total dud against West Ham United, uh, losing at home 1-3. to um, West Ham totally played them off the park in this game. And it makes you wonder if it's time to take West Bam and David Moyes the god seriously. I mean, if you look at the table, you got to. You have to, Kyle. I mean, look at their... I mean, they're right behind Chelsea, right? Yeah, I mean, they, they were... Yeah. At the time of this game, after beating West Ham, they were floating around the top four. Might have, might have even been in fourth place, and they're currently ahead of my boys, Tottenham, which mm. yeah, that doesn't sit well in my soul. Um, moving on, Liverpool, they just... Liverpool are on such bad form. It's kind of shocking after seeing two years of dominance... They lost to the, our favorite XG Warriors with those nice jerseys over at Brighton, uh, 1-0. Brighton showed real quality in this game and even dominated at times. They completely deserved this win. Uh, they, Liverpool were just totally dull and off. And Brighton, this they're unbeaten in four matches with wins over Spurs, Liverpool, and Leeds. Uh, there are no slouches. Um, talking about Spurs, no Kane, no party. You know, I said Kane, take my ankles please, because they get injured multiple times a season. They lost um, 1-0 to Chelsea. Chelsea looked all possession, but no threat, and still managed to find a win against the Spurs team. Uh, Eric Dyer, a.k.a. Eric Diarrhea, really needs to be benched for that penalty. You might remember that. And the last time Chelsea and Spurs played, actually in the FA Cup two times ago, 
Eric Dyer had that um, bathroom event that I will never forget in my lifetime. Kyle, that is the best play on words I've never heard of is Eric Diarrhea. When I saw this in the notes, I started cracking up this morning. I couldn't believe I had never heard of that and I hadn't seen that on Twitter before. So if that's an original from you, I think that you need to trademark that and like sell shirts. I think there's so many. I mean, I don't know, but there have got to be enough people saying it in social media land after he literally against Chelsea in the FA Cup on 80 minutes left the field. I don't know what was happening. Apparently he ran to the toilet to go take a shit. Or he, he had to tinkle, Kyle. He had to tinkle. Uh, of these results that you just went over, besides the United Southampton one, if we're going to throw that out, are there any results that are surprising to you? Yes, yes. I would say West Ham completely, completely outplaying Aston Villa. I mean, we know Aston Villa can really show up in some games. They've shown their quality this season, but they've also laid a few duds here and there. But for West Ham under David Moyes to completely outplay a team with that much quality is really what sticks out to me. I agree. I mean, I don't like to agree with you, but I mean, David Moyes was kind of out in the dumps. I mean, think of his career trajectory so long, like, you know, mini Alex Ferguson at Everton. Alex Ferguson is like, go hire mini-me to replace me at Manchester United. Does terribly. Uh, where does he go after United uh, again? I think he did go to West Ham. The first no, time. didn't he go to Spain? Oh, that's you're right. Yeah, he went to Real Sociedad, which is bizarre, because do you think a Scottish guy like David Moyes knows how to speak Spanish? Hell no. Do you think he's okay with the tapas culture and staying up until one and drinking before you know training? Hell no. So that just made no sense before he went to West Ham 1.0 and almost got relegated. (laughs) Right, right. And now look at West Ham now. I mean, they look like a formidable team and definitely a Europa League team at minimum, uh, quality-wise. Not saying they can get there, but they look like a good, solid squad and they're playing disciplined and they have players playing really well like Declan Rice and Thomas Sushek and... Mikel Antonio, Jared Bowen, uh, very, you know, hardworking David Moyes guys to say. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about West Ham a little bit. I mean, what do you think it is that's different about West Ham this season than previous seasons? Because they've, West Ham has always been this club in, or at least in the last 10 years, been in a really weird position where they're always in relegation fights or at best in the mid table. And they sign these players on big money, you know, Holler cost 40 million pounds. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they throw money around like it's nothing, and it just has not been successful. And so when you pair that with David Moyes, on the surface, you wouldn't think that it would make much sense. Moyes isn't playing a lot of these flashy foreign players anyway, but they finally found a good rhythm, and uh, they found a good togetherness in their play, and are now starting to play some good stuff. So, I mean... I have a hard time putting my thumb on it, but what what would you attribute this? You know, yeah, I mean, I think to? he's found players that run hard, that play together, that have good chemistry, and like I said in the beginning, like just their work rate and effort and play to the system that Moyes wants to employ. Like for example, like you said, West Ham have you know signed these sexy summer signings that for a lot of money, whether it's Chicharito or Yarmolenko or you name it, uh, they've done it. And 
it hasn't really worked out. And so now you see players even that are still on the squad. So they just sold Haller. They have Manuel Lanzini. So I, I remember him scoring a banger recently. Did he not against Spurs? Maybe goal of the season. Goal of the season. He has two starts, Kyle, in their 23 games. You have Yarmolenko, one start, but 14 players. So he's been coming off the bench. Uh, they just started Lynn Gardino, so we'll, we'll we'll save judgment on him. But yeah, I mean, they just have some unsexy players. Kufal, Bowen, Ogbana, Suchek, Declan Rice, Aaron Cresswell. Like, eh, right? Just by right. name value, but they're playing well together and, you know, not allowing a ton of goals and scoring enough to win games. Well, okay, so since since we're on a West Ham sort of theme here, you just mentioned Jesse Lingard. Lingardinho. Mm. I feel like we got to talk about Lingard. So in this game, the 3-1 win over Aston Villa, this was Jesse Lingard's debut for West Ham. He started the match. You know, if if you've been listening to the pod for a while, you know that both Justin and I agree that Jesse Lingard is terrible. I hate the whole Jay Ling celebration trying to, you know, make his own brand. Kyle, he's up and coming. Youngster, though. <laughs> he's been like the you know he's been the up-and-coming youngster for like 10 years at this point i have completely just shat on this guy and you asked me in the last episode will he score more than five goals and i said yes i felt crazy saying that he's almost halfway there it can't isn't he- that crazy i would actually you know jesse lingard is the kind of player where you know he seems so full of himself that you want to hate him he doesn't. He isn't particularly technical or all that good, but he has a way to get involved in goals with his runs in the box. I think of a player like Frank Lampard. You know how he used to master that. I'm not saying he's as good as Lampard by any stretch of imagination, but I think he can be a useful player to a team trying to get into Europe. I really do, even though I've shot on the dude in the past. Wait till the press gets a hold of that. Kyle Jensen compares uh, Jesse Lingard to Frank Lampard. <laughs> it's coming. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, the bet was over buy or sell Lingard will score five, at least five goals at West Ham. And you bet the, you bet the over, you bought that and damn, it's looking good. It's looking good right now, but you never know. Yeah. Yeah. Other, right, other Kyle, than that, gonna... you know, real, real quick, Brighton, Liverpool, does that game surprise you? Cause I look at this Liverpool have been terrible. Um, I, I kind of doubt if I've learned anything new about Brighton this game. Yes. They play good stuff. It's not like they were really clinical in this game, though. So this is kind of the same Brighton we've been seeing in all season, whereas Liverpool are really just, you know, on one of the worst forms out of like any team in the Premier League, honestly, at this point. Can't seem to score a goal or string together good performance. Does does that 1-0 loss to Brighton surprise you? At home, by the way. Oh, of course. I mean, it has to surprise you a little bit, for sure. I mean... You ex- always expect Liverpool, at bare minimum, to be scoring goals. We know that their defense is in shambles right now. So we expect, probably on surface level, high-scoring high games. But Trent Alexander-Arnold, Kyle, has not been on great form this season. You have center backs that are, I mean, center mids that are playing as center backs. And you, you just don't have that same system that they've employed with bombing wingers because they're sitting further back. So they start the offense and the press further back than they normally do. And so then they can't get in the same rhythm. And that's clearly affected them then more than probably you and I thought it would. I mean, obviously we thought it would affect them, but this is, this is terrible form. 
surprising. I mean, a lot of people want to say that it's just the front three's fault, that they're not really playing well. You're right, they're not generally not playing well, even though Salah is, you know, top scorer in the league with 15 goals. But the fact that Liverpool aren't playing that high line and aren't having that high press has really killed a lot of their, um, you know, goal involvements. And they've lacked a creative midfielder ever since Coutinho left. And when they sit deep like this, that sort of lack of creativity, I think, really shows. Time for Thiago to step up, Kyle. He's not going to get goals and assists. He's not that kind no. of player. Yeah. But, right, but Kyle, I think it's crazy, it's crazy to blame this all on Thiago. I've seen that floating oh, on social media. That is, that's crazy, man. The record is uh, coincidentally bad, though, when Thiago has started games. Yes, it is. All right, we're going to delve into match week 23. Going to go over the scores. Kyle will jump in with us, and then we'll recap it at the end. So the start us off, first game of the week, Aston Villa beat Arsenal 1-0. Kyle, um, I think what this shows is that Arsenal can only beat the, the, the powder puffs on their schedule, but nothing like an average team to dampen Arsenal spirits. Uh, Mid-table clash of sad former greats. You know, Aston Villa was once great, and they're closer to great than probably Arsenal is at this stage. That's going to make friend, a lot of the Arsenal fans happy that are listening to the podcast. I to our friend Gayona, apologies. Uh, moving on, Burnley uh, tied Brighton 1-1. to Brighton lost the XG battle 2.1 to 0.6, Kyle, which normally isn't huge news, but Brighton wins every game on XG. So kind of astounding that they generated way less chances than a sad Burnley side. So it's pretty tough as you're going back to Brighton just beating Liverpool 1-0 that they can't play well against Burnley who are significantly worse. So it's really tough to figure Brighton out and they're just really frustrating to me on a a number of levels despite having good jerseys this year. I think Brighton are the one team where if they had a half-decent striker they would be in a completely different place in the table. Honestly, Did you imagine probably... if they had a healthy Raul Jimenez? Yeah. They might be better well, I mean, than Wolves. I don't, they might be Wolves. I don't know. Like, yeah, exactly. Well, wolves, are, wolves are kind of the other team I think Wolves about are bright when... right now without exactly. <laughs> Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> we found it. Uh, Newcastle beat Southampton 3-2. to two. Newcastle scoring three goals, I think, is breaking news, but... Starting on the Southampton side, I mean, this is five losses on in a row. Minamino got on the score sheet, which is great, but clearly Southampton is having huge problems defending. Twelve goals allowed in two games. Uh, part of that is injuries, but part of it is also just not playing well at all. So they need to get that figured out quick, or else they're gonna be competing with Burnley for seventeenth place because this is. I mean, they oh, started the season on. so well. But if they can't, if they're defending like they have in the last two to three weeks, five weeks, really, they're going to be a world of hurt. They've been awful. I got to stop this madness. Awful. Competing competing with Burnley for 17th place. Get get out of here, dude. How far do you think they're away from Burnley in points? Well, okay. All right. I I hear you on that. I bet I would venture to say Southampton are probably in 10th or 11th right now. But since the table has been so condensed and crazy this season that they're probably within 10 points. But Southampton, I can't imagine they'll go on another five game losing streak like like this. So Southampton have 29 points. Burnley have 23. That's pretty close. Just saying they've been awful. 
They have awful, been. awful, awful. So we'll nine, see. Nine nil. Nine nil will do that to you. Minamino did look like a bright spot. So if he can inject something in that offense with Danny Ings kind of being injured and not producing the same as he did earlier this season, hopefully they can get back and rolling. Uh, Fulham and West Ham tied nil-nil. We were just talking about West Ham's emphatic performance against Aston Villa, but it's almost reversed. They did not play well at all in this game. Fulham probably should have deserved the three points with how well they played, but they didn't get it, Kyle. And if they if they want to survive, they need these wins. And to you know, if any of the relegation teams, we've always said that they've had the best chance to survive in recent weeks. But you can't keep playing well and not winning in the Premier League. It's just going to spell doom for you. And the fir- the more that they don't win, and Burnley eke out these one nil wins, they're they're falling further behind. Exactly. I couldn't agree more because what gave me hope about Fulham in the first place is that they finally found a way to shut that back door and be more defensively solid. And they have enough quality in the midfield and on the wings to, you know, be dangerous and give teams problems. But they don't have a goal scorer. And Big Sausage up top hasn't been starting for most of the season uh, with Mitrovic. So, which has been really surprising because he's the only goal scorer on the entire squad I can think of. But yeah, you're right. Look, they're going up against Burnley, who is you know, even more defensively solid. And I'm not sure I see any of the other teams getting dragged into that relegation fight. So I'd have to agree with you on that one. United tied Everton three to three, Kyle. Um, I'll start with this Bruno Fernandez. I don't know why um, you wouldn't close him down outside of the box. It's not like he was that far away. Everton just let him waltz to the, the 18 yard box and just do a little dink over the goalie. It wasn't quite a chip, but it was, measured for sure and hell of a what goal. a goal what a hell goal, of man. a goal what a um what the everton defenders are doing in the, the fa cup game too uh is beyond me but kyle for as much domination that united had in that game and dominance and possession and shots and etc their lapses in con in concentration are gonna are gonna harm them significantly in this title race if it hasn't already so Probably the first eight minutes of the second half, they came out casual. Everton pounced, scored two goals, just not clearing their lines well, not marking like they should. Uh, James, despite scoring, was really bad in this first half as well. Um, Deservedly yanked off. And I think he had a little um, injury as well. But Everton did not play well and did not deserve the three points in this game. But if United can't win games like this, they can kiss City goodbye in this title race. I mean, what... Just real quick on Everton, they are so inconsistent, and it's weird that even after a manager like Carlo Ancelotti comes in, it's really kind of more the same with Everton, just with a little better players. You just never know what you're going to get from Everton on any given day. Are they going to show up? Um, But yeah, I mean, they do finally have a goal scorer now uh, in Dominic Calvert-Lewin with a, what was it, like the 94th minute? 95th minute, yeah. God, what a crazy crazy time to score but that that goal that last minute goal demonstrates united's lapses in concentration way more than anything else i mean what harry Maguire is doing in that play is crazy and the more i think about the fact that he costs 80 million pounds i will just never ever get over that it's 80 million i think it's a million pounds per inch of forehead space um so real estate is expensive <laughs> these days, Kyle. Uh, moving on, your beloved Spurs got on the W column again. They beat hapless West Brom 2-0. Um, I am wearing a Tottenham jersey. 
uh, today. As if you remember, podcast fans, um, I wore an Arsenal jersey to save their season earlier. And it's time to do the same thing with Spurs. And this happened before I wanted the jersey, but this is more in reaction to their gutless FA Cup display. So we, we're, we're trying to will Spurs on to greater things. But they did that this last weekend, beating West Brom 2-0, Kane getting back and on the score sheet. So, I mean, what more can you say about Spurs rather than Kane plays well and then Sun uh, only plays well when Kane is there. So when you have those two items in conjunction, things, uh, things go well. Uh, one thing on West Brom, they deserve to lose any game that they wear those disgusting vomit red and yellow jerseys. They do not belong anywhere on planet Earth or on planet Mars uh, because Mars is too close to Earth to allow that bullshit. So, um, yeah, West Brom, like negative 36 goal difference, I think, through 23 games, Kyle. Um, I don't see how they can survive. I really don't. No, I mean, they brought in the one manager that's supposed to stop the bleeding at the back, and they can't do that under Sam Allardyce. They can't do it. When I mean, you allow a lot of goals and you don't score any, it's probably, it's probably tough to win games. Yeah. Hashtag analysis. <laughs> uh, moving on to another dud, really. Wolves, Wolves nil, Leicester nil. This is a pretty boring game, Kyle. This would probably be the one to sh- be shot into outer space like most nil-nil games do. Uh, Wolves looked like the better team, to be honest with you, but the Foxes are getting Vardy back and Didi's starting to come back now. So they are getting a couple players back that will help their uh, top four challenge. Let it be known that Justin is biased, and the only reason this game was not blasted in outer space <laughs> is because of his uh, not-so-secret love of Leicester City as, what, your adopted second team, right? I mean, Unless- when Swansea's not in the Premier League um, and they get shellacked by uh, Manchester City, you know, we have to go easy on my second-slash-adopted <laughs> team. Mm. Speaking of Manchester City, Kyle... Um, this scoreline is shocking. Four to one over Liverpool in the marquee matchup this weekend, this last weekend. And you look at the scoreline and probably say, hey, Liverpool were actually absolutely dominated, which they were outplayed, but not four to one outplayed. Um, Allison, I don't think I've ever seen. That's no, not true. I don't think I've ever seen a goalie performance this bad in at least like five years. It was terrible. Big statement. I mean, can this? you remember a goalie having that much terrible judgment in the last five years? I mean, those clearances that he had were straight passes to Manchester City. Not once, not twice, three times. Oh, you would put him at fault for the City's uh, last goal, Phil Foden? No, 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 no. So, oh, that's right. He, he had two bad clearances on the first goal that that's he right. gave up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's really bizarre because I think pretty much everyone across the entire world would agree that Allison's a top three keeper in the world. I would argue he's the best in the Premier League, but he does have this in his game. I mean, he's made some mistakes like this last season. I think on his first or second game, he had a crazy mistake trying to pull a Cruyff turn on a forward. But um, yeah, just a total, total disaster class. But if I'm a Liverpool fan, you know, I allow Allison to have this sort of performance once or twice in a blue moon if it doesn't become regular. It's not like he's becoming David DeGeo or anything. Yeah, I mean, I think it's you chalk it up to a bad day at the office, a really horrific, terrible bad day. But I think Allison has the guts to recover, whereas like uh, Kepa would not. 
speaking of blue moons, Kyle, uh, Phil Foden, what a thunderbolt that kid had for the fourth goal. I mean, I know it went right over Allison's head, but that thing was struck at like 200 miles an hour. So I don't know how many keepers are stopping that. Um, he's been on great form lately. I mean, should he start every game for City? I mean, I don't know about every game, but Man City is probably the only team I would say that about. I mean, maybe if he was on Liverpool, he wouldn't start every game either. But I really, really, really rate Phil Foden. I actually would go as far to say that Phil Foden has the most potential of any English young English player right now. And that's even talking about Jaden Sancho, who I love. You watch a lot of Sancho. I think they're both incredible players. But Phil Foden has this decision-making that is just near perfect. He's a good finisher. His interplay is great. I mean, he's got such a sweet left foot, and his touch is just brilliant. I mean, you don't really get English players like Phil Foden because usually it's just you know physicality or speed or whatever it is or power, but Phil Foden is like the least English player I've ever seen in that regard. That guy's going somewhere. Madrid and Barca are going to be knocking on the door you know, soon, I'm sure. But why go anywhere else? Right. I mean, especially with Pep at the helm at City, there's no really. I mean, they're they're they should be Champions League contenders every year. Not that they have yeah. been. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, they're, um, they're they're rolling on the title this year. And you know, if Pep extends, I don't see how you know City dominating the title is going to stop anytime soon. Liverpool, Kyle, only one point ahead of the next team that we're going to cover, Kyle, which is Chelsea Football Club. They went to Sheffield United and won two to one. Kind of a gutsy performance here. Um, just a couple of notes. I know we're going a little, we're a little behind, so we'll try to ca- catch up here. But I mean, Chelsea not the greatest performance by any stretch, but they got the job done. Rudiger, what <laughs> own goal uh, was interesting for sure, and that's the only way that Sheffield could probably get on the score sheet. But you know, um, it didn't end up costing Chelsea too much. A um, couple other notes about Chelsea. Uh, Tuchel has been really been going for five in the back, Kyle. Uh, Chilwell finally got to play in this system. But it's been more defensively sound and seems to be more reliant. Now, they haven't had a huge test because Tottenham's not really a test. But, Kyle, do you think this is a, a, a lineup and a system for the future for Chelsea? I think it's kind of weird, honestly. I, I didn't expect Thomas Tuchel to come in and play five at the back and go back to, you know, Antonio Conte and especially play Marcus Alonso, who I, you know, just... It's a blast yeah, from the past. I know, right? I know. And playing hudson Adoy at right wing back. So I'm kind of perplexed at why they're going five at the back. But, I mean, to your point, they really were wide open under Lampard and that really has shut it down, And which is really surprising because... Tuchel's one of the last managers you'd expect that from because I expect, you know, fast pace, passing, attacking football. So it's kind of odd. But, uh, you know, talking about his team selection, Mason Mount, we're not huge fans, but he's forcing his way into this team. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, no pool sick this game out to, for personal reasons, but Mount, he's playing well, Kyle. I mean, I like to hate on Mason Mount as the next guy, but as much as the next guy, but. He's playing well. He's linking play. He's having great through passes and being like a great center attacking mid almost, which you don't see that. That's like a dying role these days. But uh, I thought he played really well and is probably going to have to start going forward. I mean, I don't know who 
and Chelsea is in better form than Mason Mount right now on the offensive yeah. side. No, I would start Nobody. him. I mean, the only, th- the only thing that could take his place is maybe Pulisic when he comes back in that position or maybe Ziyech or something. Uh, Sheffield, not much to say. They have five forwards and all of them can't score. So that's not good news for Sheffield. Uh, last game of the week, Leeds United beat Crystal Palace 2-0. Of course, Crystal Palace did not outscore Leeds in XG. That would be crazy because they don't do that. Um I mean, when Palace go down, they're going to lose. I mean, that's just the formula. They went down 1-0 really early in this game, 2-0 right after the first half. Uh, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. It's, that's it for Palace. Um, and Zaha, Kyle. I mean, especially with no Zaha, I mean, Eze can't do everything. So no Zaha, no Palace wins. And that's that's it. That's That's easy as it goes right there. Yeah, I would go as far to say that uh, Zaha... No Premier League team is more reliant on any one player than Pals is on on Zaha. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there might be they might be looking more like a Fulham without Zaha, to be honest. Yeah, honestly. All right, Kyle, that's it for the games. A uh, lot of interesting results in there. Obviously, the nine nil City, you know, really whooping up on Liverpool four to one. But we got Champions League coming up, Kyle. And we'd be remiss not to start and cover what's going on with the Champions League. So getting out our Champions League schedule, getting the dust off of it since we haven't touched it since December, and Kyle and I doing very mediocre with our picks that we will not revisit. As 2021 is a new year, why would we revisit that? So Premier League-wise, we have three teams left. You know, you remember, as you recall, four teams from the Premier League make the Champions League. The one odd one out is Manchester United, who could not, after almost clinching, uh, going through to the round of 16, could not get the job done and get one single point out of their last two games. But we have Liverpool, Chelsea, and Man City remaining. So Liverpool has a tie against RB Leipzig. City has a tie against Mönchengladbach and Chelsea with Atletico Madrid. So starting with Liverpool, Kyle, how do you see this RP Leipzig-Liverpool matchup going? This is not a good tie for Liverpool to face right now. It's kind of interesting because it's it's like the great German manager of the now and then the up-and-coming German manager that everyone and their mom is going to want to sign. What, I think Julian Nagelsmann is still 34 years old or... Some great. He's like Sergio Ramos's age, which is nuts. But um, yeah, so we'll probably see Nagelsmann sporting some more crazy um, uh, sports coats like he did in the group stages in the Champions League. Um, but yeah, you know, going back to the game, this is not not a good matchup for Liverpool because Leipzig is going to come at this with energy, with good tactics, and um, you know he can Nagelsmann can set his team up to defend, but they also score goals as well. So I, I think they're this is really tricky for Liverpool, and it's really hard to put your thumb on what's going to happen. So what's your prediction? Mm-hmm. I would say Liverpool have enough to get through this match, to get through this, this uh, you know, to get through Leipzig. So that's the tie overall and not the specific away. Oh, that's right. right. Sorry, my my brain is like fried right now completely, but... Uh, In this first game, I'm actually going to go with a Leipzig win, and I would just bet on Liverpool playing at home, even though they've lost three home matches in a row, which hasn't happened in God knows how long. But I think they're going to struggle in this first match. I'll go with the 1-0 Leipzig win. 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, I really want to say Leipzig's going to win. I think that's, I really want to do that. But they're playing in Hungary because of German COVID travel restrictions. So it's not quite the home comfy area that Leipzig are used to, which, you know, there are no fans anyway, so that doesn't matter. But just the right. travel <laughs> aspect of it. Um, I think it's going to be a 1-1 draw, Kyle. I think for a lot of the same reasons, Liverpool are struggling. Leipzig are going to be tactically difficult, but I think Liverpool are going to get a goal or a solid penalty to level the tie heading back home to Liverpool. Moving on, Kyle, the next one, Atletico, the La Liga leaders by quite a bit right now, uh, host Chelsea in a fascinating matchup with a kind of semi-informed Chelsea and a cruising Atletico with leading goal scorer Luis Suarez, which looks like the worst move in Barcelona history almost. Um, kidding. Letting no him go kidding. for like no money. So what do we make of this tie? Chelsea couldn't have drawn a worse team, honestly, because none of the giants in world football right now are playing great by any stretch of the imagination. Um, Atleti with, you know, Cholo Simeone and his solid defense is like absolutely the last team you'd want to play. And now they have Luis Suarez, who's still got it. I can't believe Barca. I mean, if there's any move to illustrate just how poorly ran Barcelona has been, that is the one. Um, I think Atletico actually cruised through this through this tie in general. But on this match, I'll go with a 2-0 Atleti win. Uh, Suarez with one, Jao Felix with one. I have the same prediction, Kyle, written down on my score sheet here. Two nil for Atletico. I think, I think Chelsea might score a goal on the home tie and make it maybe make it interesting. But at the end of the day, Atletico is just a better coach team, more solid. Thomas Tuchel hasn't had enough time with his Chelsea team, I think, to play a powerhouse like this over two legs. And I don't think they're going to threaten Atletico's defense that much. To be honest with you, they might have some possession in the back, but. Nah. They haven't shown any kind of goal scoring threat in since Tuchel's came in and that's a big that's his biggest, you know, job is to get Timo Werner firing and Atleti's the last team to do that against. Last Premier League game, City will travel to Borussia Mönchengladbach. I think this game is played in Hungary as well, um, due to German COVID restrictions. So I mean, I'll start this one off. I, I've watched some Bundesliga. Munch and Gladbach have been okay this season. Um, haven't replicated the form that they had last season, but City are cruising. I, I, I know they lost to Lyon in the quarterfinals last season of the Champions League, but it's really, really tough for me to see them losing at all in either, either game to Munch and Gladbach. So I'm going to go a 3-1, mm, 3-1 win for City. I, I had a similar sort of prediction here. Look, Munchen Glabach did great in the in the group stages of the Champions League, but to your point, they're sitting in what seventh or eighth in the Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. Um it's gonna be hard for them to pull back, you know, four or three months of form to replicate what they did in the group stages. I mean, who they they qualified over Madrid and Shakhtar, I think, the very last minute, but I City are gonna cruise in this. I'm actually gonna go with the three nil win, even though they're I was going to say playing away, but it is in Hungary, as you said. I just I can't see Munchen Gladbach suddenly rolling back the months. Right, yeah, they qualified over Inter and Shakhtar in that crazy group that we were all close. So Madrid and Munchen Gladbach got out of it, but 
Yeah, I, City are they've won what fifteen straight in all competitions. They're on record form. That nobody can score a goal against them. I mean, to lose against Mönchengladbach just seems that seems seems rich. I don't know how crazy does it sound. By the way, no one can score against Pep's Man City. Ruben Diaz, man. I mean, we'll talk about him in a second, but he shored up that defense. That's for sure. I mean, I know you and I were like, wow, that's a lot of money they're spending. And when was it? End of August that they bought him. But man, what a signing. Yeah, what no kidding. a signing. Uh, real quick, Kyle, uh, I'm going to make my my picks, just not the score. I'm just going to say who's going to win or if it's a draw for the other five Champions League games because now it's starting to get interesting outside of Premier League as well. Uh, Barcelona PSG, I mean, my God, that's just tough. Neymar injured. We don't know how, how long he's going to be out for. Barcelona hapless. I'm just going to go with the draw there. Uh, Sevilla hosting Dortmund. It's going to be a Sevilla win. Dortmund look hapless right now, as sad as that is to say. Juventus will go on the road and beat Porto. Bayern will go on the road and beat Lazio. And Atalanta and Real Madrid will draw in, uh, in Bergamo in Italy, Kyle. So what are your picks? I'll take PSG over Barca. I just watching Barca in recent weeks is just they're they look like Tottenham. They just shoot themselves That's in the good. foot just with Probably like way, 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 way more talent. Um, I I'm I'm sad actually to see your boys Dortmund struggling so much, but Severe a hell of a side, and the the return of Lopetegui kind of makes me happy to see. So I see Sevilla actually comfortably beating Dortmund. Sorry, uh, I don't disagree. So. Juve are so hard to predict. Um, they're so hot and cold, but I am going to go with the Juve win over Porto. Uh, Bayern are going to cruise against Lazio, who are a good side, but are still going to cruise. And I'm actually going to go with an upset. Atalanta beating Real Madrid. Uh, sort of like a good cin- Cinderella story from the whole COVID days. Yeah, I mean, they almost did. Uh, they almost beat PSG in the Champions League, if you remember. It took PSG really late to advance to, the I think, the top four. So... That was close. They've got, uh, they've got great attacking players. Atalanta, if, if you're a neutral, they are so much fun to watch. Speaking of Atalanta and Juve, the Serie A, I mean, we won't cover talk about this at all on this podcast, but the Serie A uh, title race this year is actually very compelling. You have Zlatan Ibrahimovic leading AC Milan uh, you know, at the top of the table. Then you have Inter two points behind, and then you have Juve in third. Uh, so that's that's pretty it's pretty entertaining title race over in Italy. It's honestly really good to have a good Serie A that's actually competitive once again because ever since you know AC Milan and to a lesser extent Inter fell off maybe ten to eight years ago, it's just been like a coronation for Juve over and over. And you know I always preferred Juve personally over the other you know mega Italian teams, but it's just gotten boring and. This used to be where all the best players in the world went in the 80s and early 90s. And, you know, I'm just excited to see, you know, AC Milan and Inter back. And I'm hoping Roma can get back to, you know, a good place again. They need another Totti, though. But, yeah, I'm loving the Serie A race. I mean, Italy probably has seven decent teams or decent to really good teams from Milan, Inter, Juve. Roma, Lazio, and Napoli, and Atalanta. Like, it's mm-hmm. pretty solid. Those are solid teams. I think there's an opportunity for, I mean, I've never understood why only the Premier League has a good TV deal in the United States, but I think Serie A has got a good opportunity to get an increased 
viewership. I know they have a deal with ESPN right now, but um, you know, it's way more interesting to me at least than than La Liga, which is take your pick between three teams and it ends there. All right, Kyle, we're going to move on into our last segment here. You mentioned it up in the open. We're going to talk about MVPs of the season. And I think, uh, what is it, six or so players get chosen as finalists. So we'll do the same exercise of who's in your six, who's in my six, um, and compare and just talk about these players. Um, As we get started, um, for me, Kyle, there are three, maybe four, but three shoe-ins right off the bat that I think I would be surprised you if you didn't have. So Harry Kane, there's no way you don't have him in your top six players of the Premier League. If you did, then I, I, don't, I would question what's up and what's down. Uh, Bruno Fernandez, or no, yeah, Bruno Fernandez. Um, I mean, as much as he scores penalties, uh, I mean, he's an amazing player. And three, Muhammad Salah, I mean, although he hasn't been spectacular this season, he leads the league with 16 goals. So hard to argue those. Do you have any qualms with those three being shoe-ins into our uh, top six? So four, right? Bruno, Kane, Salah, Diaz? I haven't mentioned Diaz yet, so I I wasn't know if he was a shoe-in for you. but Whoops. Whoops. I mean, well, I just revealed myself there. So, yeah. All right, so he's a shoe-in for you. I have him in mind. So those are the four in ours then. Oh, 100%. I mean... Just since we had that little miscommunication about Diaz, I mean, he is making the same kind of impact that Van Dyke made on Liverpool, what, two seasons ago? Mm-hmm. Uh, Sala, you know, based on performances, I might debate being a shoe in, but you're not going to score 15 goals halfway through the season as a midfielder, not get mentioned. Kane, look, 13 goals, 11 assists. I mean, the guy's on fire this season, even for a Tottenham team that's pretty meh. And Bruno, yeah, I can't have any beef with Bruno. I mean, he's single-handedly transformed the mentality of Manchester United. That alone, that alone, you know, he deserves a spot. All right, so now we have a lot of players for two spots now. So uh, I'll go first. Um, It's hard to argue. Uh, You know, form is definitely a little bit a part of this, but... I mean, and I mean, he plays against a player that he relies on uh, for his his goals and assists. But son on Tottenham, Kyle, it's hard for me to leave him out. I mean, 13 goals on the season. I think he has six or so assists, um, even though he totally is, even though he's totally inept without Harry Kane. I think that with those totals and that production on any team, it's going to be hard to leave him out. So. I'm going to add Sun into my top six, Kyle. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, just to make this sort of discussion more interesting, Sun is one of these players I'm 100% obviously thinking about. I mean, you, the form that he's, the partnership they struck up with Harry Kane is excellent, even though on a pretty average Tottenham team, as a midfielder scoring 13 goals, that's impressive. But um, Jamie Vardy, you got to throw him into the mix. I'm not putting him in my top six yet. I mean, I'll get there. Uh, I also got to mention Gunduan. I mean, talk about a guy on crazy form. What, he has something like eight or nine goals in his last 10, 12 yeah. matches. I mean, outrageous. Yeah. He's never been a goal scorer in his entire career. And at 30 years old, Pep is playing him a little further up the pitch, and he's just been magnificent. Um, 
And I'd have to check his stats real quick, but just on general play, Jack Grealish, man. I know he gets a lot of heat for flopping and, you know, his slicked back Peaky Blinders kind of hair thing going on, but just watching him play is just a joy to watch. And then even though he's been injured for portions of the season, you know, we agree on this. Kevin De Bruyne is the best player in the league. So, right. But with those injuries. So would I put Son... With those two spots left, would I put Son in that discussion? Me, personally, I would have a hard time leaving him out. I mean, he's been the top scorer for much of the season. Um, yes, he disappears in some games, but he is so dangerous. He's one of the best finishers in the league, as a midfielder, too. Yeah, for sure. And as I start to think about my sixth player, I think you named a lot of really good names. It was kind of striking outside of Ruben Diaz, which was a pretty obvious selection for me. The lack of defenders or outside backs that made our list. Like, you know, Liverpool has been on this list, obviously, of the last two years with Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold. But as I go through all the teams, like none of the outside backs are making that big of an impact uh, as they have in last season. So I think it has to be a midfielder for me, Kyle. And it's a toss-up between Grealish and Gunduan for me, but Gunduan has not played better soccer than he's been playing this year, and specifically the last two months. So I'm going to throw him on the list because he is kind of playing in a different role that KDB would normally operate, but he hasn't been playing. So with his with his form and continued form, I think I'm going to throw him above Grealish just ever so slightly. Oh, man. Okay, so Justin's MVP picks of the season so far. This could obviously change by the end of the season. You got Bruno Fernandez, Kane, Sala, Diaz, Son, and Gunduan. Yeah, it's really interesting because at, from the outside, I would think Phil Foden would be the person to play in that sort of David Silva, KDB role, but I did not foresee Pep pushing Gunduan further up the pitch. So it's a good shout, but... Just real quick before I bring up my my last pick. You mentioned the defenders. What made me realize that none of the defenders outside of Ruben Diaz deserve to be on this list is we were talking about who has the best, statistic, statistically speaking, who are the best defenses this year after City. Tottenham Hotspur are second best. I mean, it's pretty you unbelievable. At, you look at those defenders on that team. They are... T- a pile of hot garbage. I'm sorry. I mean, Eric Dyer, come on, please. Davinson Sanchez, two goals today, Kyle. Yeah, that's true. He scores when he wants. Uh, but, you know, Trent has been poor this season. Robertson hasn't been as good this season either. I mean, Liverpool's entire team. God, I mean, none of the none of the big teams have great defenses at all. And then who was it that had the third best? De- oh, it's coming back to me. Arsenal. When have you ever said that Tottenham and Arsenal have two of the best defenses in the league? So, yeah, that throws out any... I mean, I like Kieran Tierney, but he's been injured and not, like, MVP level. But he's been good. I like him for Arsenal. I feel the same way about Regulon. I mean, Regulon is good, too, but MVP material? So, for my last pick, I do think KDB will eventually make it in there, but we're talking about MVP so far this season. I have a hard time looking past Jack Grealish. And I was thinking statistically he wouldn't really be up there. Um, you know, if if you watch any Aston Villa games or if you're an England fan or whatever, 
you're going to want Jack Grealish to be starting at the Euros for England because just the general play, I mean, he draws fouls like no one else in the league. He can score. <laughs> That's I, well, I'm which, you know, which I have some beef with, but he is clever about it um, in a similar way Harry Kane is. Um, but he's just so intelligent with the ball and he hardly ever loses. He's a good passer. He's surprisingly strong. Um, you know, he can play with open space and take, beat his man. He can play in the cam role. He can play out wide. Um, but even statistically, he has six goals in the season and 10 assists. It's not bad. It's not Pretty bad. Good. So, Pretty good. Uh, we've seen Jack Grealish become, you know, I would bet that someone would have to pay like 80 million pounds to sign him, which is crazy. But that's probably, with this market, that's where he's at. So Grealish should be my last pick. Yeah, no problems with that at all. I mean... At Villa, I mean, they've transformed their whole front four from adding Bertrand Traore, El Ghazi playing well, and uh, Ollie Watkins obviously coming in, and he has double-digit goals already. So, um, yeah, it's hard to hard to argue with that. Kevin De Bruyne, Kyle, one of the players we mentioned and probably the best player in the Premier League, uh, missed the last few games and still has 10 assists. So, I mean, that just tells yeah. you his quality. And if he's healthy the whole year and playing well, then. Yeah. Yeah. He's and he's not list. just, and he's not just had one injury. I, I believe he started the season with an injury too. So he didn't really have a preseason. He's mm-hmm. been on and off injured two or three times and he's still 10 assists. I mean, and I, I think across the big five leagues in the world, he has far and away the most assists in the last five years. Because even before he went to Man City, he was just smashing it at. Wolfsburg? He right? was at Wolfsburg before City, yeah. Didn't he score like, didn't he have like 20 something assists? I mean, something crazy. Something yeah, he something what a crazy in the Farmers League and the Bundesliga, but yeah, it was it's nuts. If you're a young player, watching Kevin De Bruyne shows how much making the right decision every single time matters because you'll have these players, these great ability, great dribbling ability, great finishers, but if you don't make the right decision, it, it matters for shit. Kevin De Bruyne, though, every time, every touch, every pass, it's like near perfection. Well, that's all we got, Kyle. I think this will be fascinating what we have up and coming in the Premier League this weekend. We got a little City Tottenham coming our way. So that should be exciting. I know you have a face of fear I just saw over my camera. Uh, we have also Leicester and Liverpool, which should be a fascinating game because those two teams are really close and are battling for top four as well. Um, and then a bunch of mid-table matches in there. So should be fun to watch. Leicester-Liverpool, I will not be waking up at 434. Uh, but Man City and Tottenham, you best. I'll be parking my ass on the couch and watching that at 930. So uh, The struggles of being on the West Coast and trying to be a Premier League fan. 430 games. And I hate I that those so. are like they those want to those need to be the blast into outer space games like West Ham Sheffield or Wolves Southampton Brighton Villa uh, Brighton Villa might be interesting Crystal Palace Burnley needs to be at uh, four thirty so Premier League step it up don't optimize for your Asian fans or worldwide or Middle East like optimize for the Pacific Northwest like what are we doing. <laughs> It's all about the, they really value their tea time games is what they call it. I think it's at what, like noon there? The 1230 spot in in Britain, yeah. Tea time. I guess it's like the 10 a.m. games for NFL here, right? I don't know. 
Yeah, but the 10 a.m. games are never like the marquee matchups, you know what I mean? So, right, right. But with this global audience, I don't, I don't want to give the Premier League any excuses. <laughs> well, that's all we got this week. We should be back next week as there's only one match week now, thank God. A um, lot of Premier League matches up and coming, but we should be back at the end of match week 24 to recap all of the different matches. And we should have a nor- uh, I say normal um our usual podcast where we actually break down games, Kyle, because we haven't done that in a while, getting into the games and breaking them down. So that will be fun to get into that City Tottenham game and really dissect it apart. I think that I'm looking forward to that more than anything. Oh, man, you know, I'm looking forward to talking about a 5 0 City smacking. I mean, it's not going to be that bad. Well, actually, <laughs> it might be. It might be. But yeah, no, it's, it's going to be fun to get back to it. I mean, we've got a lot going on. I mean, I started a new job recently, you know, we're all making moves and then it's hard to cover every match when match weeks are every three, four games. So yeah, I'm looking forward to a little bit of a break and we can actually dig into some games for once. All right, Kyle, for you, I am Justin. Follow us at over the top EPL on Twitter and Instagram. We will see you Monday or Tuesday night next week. Stay safe.